Now, morning, um, I'm going to need you to be a little bit more verbal than you're used to being. Um, I know we come from many different backgrounds. We come from, um, some come from a Pentecostal background. Some come from a Baptist background. Some come from uh, a Presbyterian background. I'm going to leave somebody out, I know. But we all have a background, right? Uh, Greek Orthodox. Some, a lot of different backgrounds in the room here. And depending on your background, being verbal in the service is, is a taboo. But listen, I, I, need, I need to know that this is making sense this morning. Because when you want something to happen, you can't just wish that it happens. Uh, for instance, my daughter and our son and their children were in town this week. We were visiting, so Brian and I went over to Dick's Sporting Goods. There's all this wonderful exercise equipment. So there's this one little piece of equipment that I've been thinking about getting for a while, so I bought it. Took it home. But you know what I found? Unless you take the lid off, it just stays in that pretty little package, and you can't use it. Unless you're willing to get it out of the box, you can't use it. And really, that, that's what this whole series is going to be based on. This whole series is about um, getting what God is doing in us and through us and getting it out of the box. And today, I want to start by just talking about getting the church out of the box. Would you, would you do me a favor? I'm, I'm not trying to push for response today, but I'm going to push you today. Can, can we just stand for the reading of the word? I know that may sound silly to some of you, but it's very apropos in many settings. But let's stand for the reading of the word. Acts chapter 1, very familiar passage, verses 1 through 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, for the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we've been singing all morning, Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Speak to us, oh God. Lord, let us realize what we're, what we're literally asking when we ask you to get us out of the box. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> First, let me, let me describe to you what it means to be in the box. What do I mean by being in a box? 
It can be traditions. It can be mindsets. Remember I said we all come from a lot of different backgrounds, right? Here's what that means. We do it this way. Here's what that means. We believe this way. Um, so we have traditions that keep us in a box. Anybody ever hear the expression that we try to put God in a box? Uh, or maybe we truly believe that God created us in his own image and then we return the favor and created him in ours. There are comfort zones that keep us in a box. Our church history, whether it's our denominational history or whether it's a personal church history, keeps us in a box. Generational boundaries, the differences in generations and the differences in how people are viewed, whether you're, we probably have about six different generations in the church here. From 80s, and I'm going to embarrass people, so ladies, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many do we have in this room this morning over the age of 80? Yes, I know we have several. Okay. So, and, and down to who we'll talk about in a few moments, the millennials who can range down to 23 and 24. Now, I, I say that because there's a lot of different ways to view life in those ages. Can I get an amen? So our generational boundaries put us in a box. Our personal history puts us in a box. The mindset of it's never been done that way before puts us in a box. The entire mindset that says, let's just play it safe. It, it may cost us. Folks, if you don't think that following Jesus isn't going to cost you, and I'm not talking about your wallet anymore. Take a deep breath. It's not going to cost you. You're, you've missed it. So what does this mean that, that we need to take the church out of the box? When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you see very quickly that he does not live life in a box. Things are very, very out of the ordinary. His birth. Who besides God would have chosen a virgin birth? That's extraordinary. His childhood was unusual. Twelve years old, teaching in the synagogue. His first known miracle, turning water into wine. We find that when Jesus was choosing his disciples, he didn't go to the local seminary. He went to the fishermen, the uneducated. He found tax collectors who the, the community just did not like tax collectors. He chose people who were looked down upon, if you will. Many other miracles were so strange that people never really believed they could happen. And even with Jesus allowing Lazarus to pass away only to raise him up, proving resurrection power. Jesus never did anything within the confines of a box. Now, how does that fit us this morning? You see, to step out of the box for Jesus meant heresy. That's why when Jesus would, would teach or his disciples would come and something would happen on the Sabbath, they would jump out and try to attack Jesus for, for working on the Sabbath. Jesus, whenever Jesus stepped out of the box, if you will, he was attacked. It was heresy, false teaching, doing things the wrong way. It meant scandal. It meant judgment. It meant persecution. It literally put his life at stake, and he died on the cross. Now, we know in the grand scheme of things, that was the plan. 
But here was, here's a part of the plan that we've already read this morning, and I want to set this up because over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to get out of the box. And, and let me just say this. This isn't just about can you please share your testimony with your neighbor. Because discipleship is not just about an individual journey. Discipleship is about Jesus died to save the world. It's, it's being willing to get out of the box of us just thinking, let me try to reach my neighbor. Now, reaching your neighbor is not a bad thing. You hear me try to push you to that all the time. And right now, some of your palms are sweaty just because I brought the subject up. Reach your neighbor. Oh, Lord, here we go again. I'll just invite my friend to church and get that out of the way again. Oh, it, I, it's tight, but you know I'm right. But I'm not talking about that. You see, if I really look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, there's something there that I believe if we live, we have to get out of a box. Let's look at this for a few minutes. Because Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that's the ESV version, but if, if you read that, it, it's simply saying, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to have power. You're going to have the kind of power that will cause you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, to be honest with you, I've preached that so many times that it's almost, full confession here, it's almost like, come on, Lord, we've all heard this, we, we all, we've all heard this preached a few times. Uh, Lord, you know, what else new about it is there? And the Lord, in, in his own way to me, said, it's not that there's anything new about it. You've just never practiced it. I said, you have my attention. What does that mean? Now, for some of you, you've already jumped to the conclusion he's talking about tongues again. No. This is about being witnesses. And I've really done some word studies this last week. And I just want to break down a couple of things. I don't want to bore you to tears this morning. But I'm, I've been praying. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will, will shake us in such a way that staying in the box will not even be an option. Living in the norm will not even be an option anymore. Well, what does this mean when he says you will be when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he, he, before this he says, now John baptized you with water. Now we're going to baptize with water today. But Jesus does not say, be baptized in John's baptism. He says, be baptized in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Way different than John's baptism. John's baptism points us to Christ. But through Jesus Christ, now we're pointed not just to the cross, but to a work to carry a cross until his return. And we do that by the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, so what are we saying here? He says, after you have received this power, you will be my witnesses. Now, we've talked about what a witness is before, right? A witness is someone who has witnessed something. This is going to get deep. <laughs> a witness is someone who has witnessed something. They've seen something. Well, we understand that, that it could easily mean, and it does mean that, 
that these individuals, these disciples, they saw Jesus. They confirmed that he was raised from the dead. They saw the signs. They saw the wonders. They witnessed it. But there's a part of that witness that also means, and listen, that you are not only to witness that you understand that Jesus Christ is real to others, but that you're supposed to live it out in such a way that it proves Christ exists, even if it costs you your life. Because technically, when we die to self, through baptism, we die to self and we are risen in Christ Jesus. He's saying through baptism and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's this surrender to self because you want to be the kind of witness to the world that proves that Jesus Christ is real, that proves that Jesus Christ is the answer, not just because you follow all the rules. We'll talk about that in a moment because the reality is you can't follow all the rules. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. He says, but are you willing to witness in such a way that even if it costs you your life, it costs every disciple their life. Are you willing to walk this out in such a way that you're willing to give your life for it? He says, I want you to be my witnesses. And then he says, in Jerusalem. Now again, in, in they share this with your neighbor fashion, and the application here is very easy. We know that it means to start at home and let it broaden out to the local community. And then let it broaden out to the rest of the world. <laughs> That's an easy and a great and a good application. Can I get an amen? But what kind of Jerusalem were they living in at that time? They were living in a Jerusalem that was tied up with religiosity. That was bound by political power. That was bound and fueled by political influence. And so Jesus is saying is, I want you to be witnesses that I'm real, even if it costs you your life, in an environment that says religion is the answer. In an environment that says the rules are the answer. In an environment that's that says politics and the, the way leaders lead are the answer. And what, what I need us to understand this morning is it's in that kind of environment that we need to be able to stand. Yes. Can, can I tell you, it should be obvious that we make a stand at home. It, no preacher in America should tell any Christian to make a stand at home. It should be obvious. It's when you get out in the workplace. It's when you get out in the, the, the culture around you, the Jerusalem around you, that says, no, um, religiosity, legalism, the Mosaic law that the Jews practiced, you have to follow the laws. You have to follow this or you're not right with God. Listen, it's that kind of culture that says people need to get cleaned up before they come to church. People need to get right with God before they come and worship with us. That's not what, that's not what this is about. And he's saying when you are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, your mindset of being a witness to who Jesus is in the midst of all that stuff changes. It changes. And you'll be a witness, even if it costs you something. You'll be a witness. But then he says, in Samaria, or in Judea, sorry. He says, in Judea. Now, what is Judea? 
Judea actually was all of Palestine that was renamed Judea after the tribe of Judah. Now, I found this interesting. But I believe that when the Holy Spirit fills us and we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a life change. We call ourselves Christians. Getting the church out of the box means we're not just going to come and attend. We're going to make a stand in the culture. But it's also we're going to give our allegiance to something other than what we've given allegiance to before. Because, see, the tribe of Judah represented the tribe of praise. And you will pray something. You will worship something. You will give your allegiance to something. And, and listen, it's easy to come to church on Sunday and give our verbal allegiance here. Can I get an amen? But where's our allegiance when we leave? What do we say this is worthy in my life when we leave? What do we hold priceless? What do we hold as as worthy of worship, worthy of our attention, worthy of, a, well, I find it so hard to pray every day. He, he isn't worthy if you have to work at praying every day. We don't have a problem watching Netflix every day. I'm preaching to myself, nobody here. You know, and I rationalize, because I don't like commercials. That's why I watch it. You don't have to watch the news. You can just get lost in fantasy land and call it a documentary. Can, can I just tell you that we prove what we worship all week long? We prove. Uh, this isn't a guilt trip on your prayer life, but it might be conviction. It, we prove what we think is worthy all week long. Now, we come to church. I'm preaching to, to the choir this morning. I know. We come to church, and, and on Sunday mornings, we try to get it all right, right here in an hour and a half. And, Pastor, you've got 30 more minutes to help me get it right. Because the rest of this week, I'm, gonna, I'm really, I'm really going to worship what I think is worthy. And he said, when you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the church getting out of the box means your life starts looking different on Monday. Your, your life, Pastor, this is getting a little bit too legalistic. No, it gets radical, though. This gets radical because now the things that, that I used to say were important to me aren't important anymore. My taste buds begin to change because I'm spending more time with God. I'm spending more time in the Word. I'm spending more time in prayer. It's amazing what happens when your life is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and you make a decision, you know what, I'm not staying in this little comfort zone called the church in a box where we come and we find a comfortable seat and we allow ourselves to be put to sleep by beautiful music and, and yes, we're going to just worship God and, and love Him and we go back out in the world like nothing's wrong. Twelve people got shot and killed last Friday, two Fridays ago. And we're already fine. Had a few memorial services. Pastor, what do you, what do you mean we're already, we're already fine? We're already fine. People have moved on. Now, I know there's some hard grieving going on. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. My point is, it's easy for us to come right back and get comfortable. And not even really think there's anything going on out there. 
not even really imagining that the world is still in trouble that needs Jesus Christ. And, and we're hoping that he comes to us. Wow, this is going to be long, eight weeks, I can tell. Because when I start deciding to get the church out of the box, first of all, as the pastor of this local church, it is, it's my calling to equip and to encourage and to give you tools. But I'm not here to equip you to sit. Or we would just give you a chair. Here's your equipment. Now worship in spirit and in the chair. No, it's to, it's to equip you. So when you leave this place, you will make a difference in this culture. But, but what's the other? He says, then I want you to go to Samaria. What does Samaria represent? The, the word Samaria itself represents guardianship. Now what that means for you and I, it's the leadership in our life that has gotten us where we are. It might be your background. It's whoever has had influence in your life. It's whoever has, has had influence in your life, spiritually or physically. It's just where it's gotten you in your life right now. But can I tell you, here's the key to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter what's gotten you here, he is saying, I will take you from here, and it will make a difference. Now, in, instead of, I know we are his children, and this is nothing about arrogance. We need to start walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that he has called us to walk in. Because sometimes I find myself sitting back hoping God creates the future for us. He's called us to go and walk into it. He's called us to walk out and build the relationships. He's called us to build the kind of relationships that will change the culture. If we want better school systems, we need to fill it with teachers, fill the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want better government, and listen, this isn't about, well, we're going to vote for the next Christian president. We don't care who he is. You better care who he is. A lot of people call themselves Christian. But do you see fruit in their lives? And, and this is not a political commercial. I'm telling you because I know some in here, we're trying to figure out how to create uh, pathways for us to impact culture at every level, not just expect people to run here and worship on Sunday and then hope everything changes on Monday. See, God is just as real at the workplace on Monday as he is here on Sunday. God is just as real on Wednesday as he is on Sunday. Now, there's something powerful about corporate worship. Am I making any sense? There's something powerful about corporate worship, but I promise you it's because God is trying to prepare you to have the kind of faith that will make a difference on Wednesday, that will make a difference on a Friday afternoon. One of the most powerful testimonies that came out of that shooting. I'm, I'm sure there were many, but the one that I've heard the most is the gentleman whose son, uh, his dad was a minister. He sang in the choir. Powerful voice. Loved Jesus. And he'd already gotten out of the building and gotten seven other ladies safe, only to run back into the facility and be shot. Now, I, I simply say this. It's not about a one moment instant but your life may boil down to one moment your life may boil down to one moment will you be found filled with the power of God serving him in that moment 
just, just two weeks ago, and I'm not trying to get too graphic here, but just two weeks ago, right, during Memorial Day, a good pastor friend of mine, we served on the board at Vanguard together. He was just taking a walk with a friend in St. Louis and was hit by an SUV and killed immediately. They buried him yesterday. Dr. Clarence McPherson, powerful man of God. Life snuffed out just like that. And we, we questioned, God, how could that happen? Listen, we, we cannot answer some of those questions. What I do know is he was powerfully serving God. I want to be found powerfully serving God, whether I'm walking on the street or standing in a pulpit. We should be powerfully found serving God, whether we worship on church or we're at work on a Friday afternoon. Whether you're serving, and listen, I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience here. On my way to church this morning, I got cut off. And something raised up in me, and I, I, I felt my teeth come together. That's when I start thinking real good, when my teeth come together. And as soon as my mind just started to think about what I could say that that person would never hear, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, how's that going to work for you when you're, when you're getting ready to tell everybody at Grace River? the Holy Spirit and the power of my Holy Spirit at work in your life better be flowing not just on a Sunday morning but on an interstate. Not, not just when you're at work but when you're in a restaurant. Not when you're just preaching but when you're with people everywhere. And, and I know you're, you're not a preacher necessarily. You're not called to preach but, but the what you're walking out God is called you to. And God wants to use you powerfully. He wants to use you powerfully in your Jerusalem. He wants to use you powerfully to show what really we should be living lives of praise for. He wants to use you powerfully that no matter what your past has been, no matter how you've been raised, no matter what you're battling with, no matter what your baggage is. Somebody, somebody needs a shout on this one. No matter what your baggage is, there's a God who's greater. But, but then he says unto the uttermost. What is the uttermost? I told you this gets deep. You ready? It's to the extreme. To the extreme. To the uttermost parts of the world. To the extreme parts of the world. And we know he's talking about people here. But he's talking about to the lowest. To the lowest of the low. It doesn't matter. Go to them. Don't wait for them to come to you. Don't pray for a divine encounter. Go make one. Instead of hoping one happens, go to one. Go to the uttermost. And I'll move quickly. This is just the foundation. He says, into all the world. What does that mean? Now, th this is going to sound, I'm, I promise you, I've done the word searches. I've I, Contextually, I've made sure this is this is a right on task. This is not heresy, but please go home and study it yourself. When he says the uttermost of all the world, he's meaning governments and territories. We've limited it to individuals. 
But see, God's not wanting us just to save our neighbor because we don't save anybody to begin with. There's something about just sort of backing up here, and I'm, this sounds a little hard, just, just love me for a second. It should be a no-brainer that when you get filled with the power of God, that whoever you get close to, something's going to spill out. It, it should be a no-brainer that when you get filled with the power of God and your life has been changed. I, I know that I'm not saying we all get the gift of evangelism and we all get that boldness. Just go, we start knocking on doors. Um, you, there may be many in this room who have that gift. But I'm talking about the kind of boldness that says when you come across somebody and they're hurting, hey, listen, I know the answer. Oh, so you're a know-it-all. No, what I do know is I was lost and now I'm found. What I do know is my life was a wreck, and quite honestly, all my circumstances are still a wreck, but I've got joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I can't tell you why, but I've got peace that passes all understanding, even though my circumstances still stink. Can you smell that? That's joy. <laughs> and now, this is not just wishful thinking. I promise you, 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 you don't just get up and pray yourself into, into some type of feeling. But you ever heard the term pray through? That there is something about staying with God long enough that you say, okay, Lord, I know you got this. You pray till you understand. You study God's word, and this isn't about making sure you understand all of God's word. We need to study God's word, but it's so we can see what God is doing and by faith just continue to follow after him. So he says, I want you to be filled. I want you to be witnesses. I want you to go. I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the uttermost parts of the earth. Now why? Why does he want us to do this? What does getting out of the box look like for Grace River? Well, <laughs> when Grace River gets out of the box, we reach our generation. We reach our generation. What does that mean? Well, what is your generation? What is your generation? I'm getting ready to tell you. I'm just seeing if you know. Um, I, I don't have all of them listed here, but let's just start down with the baby boomers. We have some here that quite possibly are part of the greatest generation. But starting with the baby boomers, which is 55 to 75 years old, there's about 76 million in the United States right now as of 2019. Now, what shaped their view of life was World War II. What shaped their view of life was Vietnam, the Cold War, the hippie movement, free love. Okay. Unexpectedly, this generation is now experiencing the highest growth in student loan debt. I thought that was interesting. But, but it's also part of a generation that's still searching. They have a belief that you should take care of your children just enough to get them on the right course because you don't plan on leaving them an inheritance. Now, I'm not, there's not all of us in this room that feel that way because those of us who've gotten saved... God has glori uh, gloriously changed our thinking. Somebody say amen. Children, you better say amen. 
but, but it was really a selfish generation. So baby boomers, if you're in here this morning, I'm, I'm just saying that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I can reach my generation. There's baby boomers out there. I know they're in debt. They, they have, they're, look, they're still looking. They're still groping in the darkness, trying to find help, trying to find the answer. And that generation still is a part of a generation that is sort of, we call it old school. They're used to somebody telling them, do it like this now. But is every generation like that? No trick questions. No. Uh, generation X. These were born between 1965 and 1979. There's about 82 million in the world right now. What shaped their lives was the end of the Cold War, the rise of personal computers, but sort of feeling lost, sort of like the latchkey kids. Generation X is trying to raise a family, pay off student debt, and take care of aging parents because the aging parents were baby boomers who didn't save any money. In this Generation Y, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this very quickly. Generation Y, or what we know as the millennials, were born between 1980 and 1994. And they currently are 25 to 39 years old. Uh, there's about 95 million of them. 95% still watch TV, but they're really Netflix-driven because they can choose what they like, not what they have to watch. They, they favor uh, streaming services because it's a popular choice. This generation is extremely comfortable with mobile devices, but 32% will still use a computer for purchases. I'm only saying this not so we know how to market a group like this. I just want you to see the differences. That's why someone even my age sits around, my God, why are they spending so much time on the computer? And they're sitting around going, he doesn't even know how to use a computer. He still says Instaface. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. See, and, and we don't think there's generational issues. Um, what, what shaped the events here was the Great Recession, technology, 9-11. So what's next on the financial horizon for them? Well, they prefer um, access over ownership. That's why a lot of this, a lot of this younger generation in this mindset, um, you know, the older generation, they had one job for, for 35, 40 years. Millennials could have six career moves by the time they're 30. Not just job changes, career choices. Um, they don't get married as young because an older generation says you don't divorce. But as the generations have continued, divorce became acceptable. And, and the younger generations are saying, I don't want that. So they're just not getting married. And they begin cohabitating. And then, but we as a church, we stayed in our little box. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Get out of the box. I'll move in power when you move in faith. 
and, and, and you, you can preach all day long that doing this is wrong, but they're not going to listen to you because you're screaming from inside of a box. It's not about them being wrong. It's about them seeing light. We can yell about sin. We can holler about being wrong. We can holler about think people don't see right and people do this and people do that and this needs to change. You can yell it all day long, but until we get out of the box, it's not going to mean anything. We can worship wonderfully, but it's not going to mean anything unless we live our worship. One more generation. Can I hit on this real quick? Is this making sense? Generation Z is the newest generation to be named. And they were born <laughs> between 1995 and 2015. They're currently between the ages of 4 and 24. This generation has always known technology, social media. They've always known their country at war. And, and seeing financial struggle of their parents as the norm. They're the first generation that fully understands they could be shot at school. They have a strong appetite for financial education and are opening saving accounts at younger ages than prior generations because they don't ever go to a bank. They do it all online. Now, I'm saying that, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think people are changing around us like crazy, you're in a box. And the church is already known as being about 20 years behind culture anyway. So what, what I'm asking us to consider as we start this series this morning is backing up and saying, God, am I too comfortable? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, have I been so wrapped up in my, in my theological upbringing that what I've worshipped is a theological stance? Or am I so afraid, God, that when you begin to move, I'll be out of control? And I won't be able to control things anymore. Will, will, it, will it be, God, that when you begin to change lives, it won't be like I think needs to happen? I, I really think that we need to ask ourselves some good, hard questions because it can be scary getting out of the box. But not only do we reach our generations, the second thing, and, and this is just as important, they all three dovetail together, but the second is this, it, we reach beyond ourselves. It reaches beyond itself. You see, we are the church, it's not just the four walls, we reach beyond ourselves. As a movement, we are the children of God, we are his children, we are the called out ones, but, but when we reach out beyond ourselves, I'm telling you, that's when that's when neighborhoods are changed. That's when businesses are changed. That's when cultures can be changed. Because it's not just about us trying to get people to gather. I'm, I'm big on corporate worship. And I believe that what we need to do on Sundays needs to be powerful. It needs to have an impact. But I also know that when we get together during the week, that's when the real growth takes place. I, I'd love to say that everybody is learning so much here that you go home and talk about it all week long. I'd love to think that. But what I do understand is that when we're challenged here and we get together with brothers and sisters during the week, that's where iron begins to sharpen iron. Because I'm praying that somebody says, I don't agree with anything he said Sunday. 
But there might be someone else who says, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Well, I just don't believe this. Well, he didn't even mention that, but what, what about this? Who, who have you reached? I don't have the gift of evangelism, but do you have joy? Can you do something? What can you do? Now, I'm not trying to push buttons. I'm trying to push people. Forget buttons. Um, I don't want to get us irritated. I want to get us moved. Uh, out of a box where instead of just trying to get safe for the rest of the week, we've been a church in survival, not in worship. We've been a church worried about paying bills, not about paying attention. And when you start just trying to pay the bills and you stop paying attention, the world just moves on by. And the church is just as irrelevant as always. But, but see, I still believe that God has a remnant of people who even in these last days, yes, even in America, that, that church has become a, a very comfortable thing. That it, it's, it's sort of amazing when you talk to people who visit America from other countries where Christians are being killed, where Christians are being slaughtered, where Christians is looked down and beaten and they suffer. And they come to America and we have a tendency to have a bad day if we didn't get the right parking spot. All I'm asking you to do is to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I really surrender. I really surrender. I don't want to be just baptized in water. I want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit. I don't want to just get wet all over with water. I want to be saturated with the power of your Holy Spirit. I, I don't want to just get a, a sprinkling. I, I want to get saturated in the power of your Holy Spirit. But, but now listen, when that happens, it will begin to influence how you think. And, and then you'll have to start walking in obedience. But that's what I cherish. I cherish those days where where my, my walk feels conflicted because I know the Holy Spirit's still at work in my life. And that when I take a step and he's like, John, wait, wait, back up. Yes, sir. John, you, you treated her wrongly. Say I'm sorry again. John, you said this and you should not have said that. Go do this. Call this person. Pray for this person. Reach out to this person. See, now, now, it's not that I don't have a plan. I've got a day planner. But can I tell you what happens? The Holy Spirit just begins to lead every step of our lives. And it's amazing what God can do with one step of your life that you could not get accomplished with 10 days of yours. Am I making any sense? Last point very quickly and we'll pray. We are a church that reaches people that others avoid. I don't have time to go into this this morning. Um, I know I'll, I'll be delving into this a lot next week. But I've really been praying about God. What are the real needs around us in our culture? And, we, and it's easy to point at homelessness. It's easy to point at hunger. See, an Acts 2 church is going to be feeding. An Acts 2 church is going to be reaching out to people. This isn't about... Um, just trying to pick out what place we go feed the hungry. But I said, Lord, what is there in the culture that unless there's a move of your Holy Spirit, we can't change? 
Because can I be honest with you? We should be able to get volunteers to go to the homeless shelter. You don't need revival to cook hot dogs. Okay? It, it, that should be a sign that God is at work in our life that we're willing to even do that. But you don't need a revival service to get, get a barbecue together to feed people. But you will need a move of the Holy Spirit when you start build, uh, dealing with people going through depression. And they've been to counselor after counselor, medication after medication, and they need a mighty move of God or they're living in misery. They need a mighty move of God. And, and you know what I found? I found that it's easy just to sort of move to another box when you start having that. When, it, when, a lot, when a lot of that starts to show up in your box, it's easy just to move to another box. There's not as many of them in this box. There's, there's more room to relax in this box because they're over there in that box. And those wrestling with a lifestyle issue, they're in that box. And as long as they stay in that box, this is good stuff, by the way. As long as they stay in that box and they stay in that box, I'm even more comfortable in my box. And God is saying, get out of your box. Go to them. I see a revival of people battling depression that, that suddenly, like, just like the demoniac, just begins to say, the chains fall off. And I'm, I'm a different man. I'm, I'm walking differently. And yes, I'm seeing a counselor, but, but there's not a stigma anymore because I'm just walking with a brother who happens to be smart. See, up until I was getting counseling, I was... I was going to the pastor and it wasn't working. So now I'm finally working with somebody who's smart. And, I, I'm, and they're able to counsel me at a professional level. And, and let me just say this. Anybody in here who's wrestling with depression, don't you hesitate one minute to reach out for professional help. There's nothing wrong at all with reaching out to someone who's smart, who's trained. Don't feel like, well, I'm just going to go try to pray this away. I believe in miracles. But God wants us to walk together. God wants us to share what we're struggling with. God wants us to share. Men get together and share that you're having temptations, that you're having a bad day. Ladies get together and wrestle with issues and wrestle with your stories. That's important, guys. That's called counsel. And, and I tell everybody all the time, I can meet with you two times and tell if I can continue to help you or not. Two times. But I'm not going to meet with you a third time and pretend I can help you. Our third meeting is going to be, here's a few people I know that are a lot smarter than I am. Because I'm not too proud to say, I can't. And that's just a powerful move of the Holy Spirit is being able to. Um, what's another one? Medication. I, I'm going to get on this heavily in, in the next few weeks. Because I'm telling you, uh, America's the one of the only nations who's wrestling with all this who's wrestling with all this. You can't go to other countries and there's this uh, epidemic of depression. As a matter of fact, you go to some other countries where they're being persecuted and they're being killed and you walk through the camps and there's joy. Now that's not a slam on us. That's a cry for the church to get out of the box and by the power of the Holy Spirit start reaching out to people and meet them where they are because they're wrestling with gender identity. They're wrestling with depression. They're wrestling with suicide. They're wrestling with all these things. And 
Let's stand. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, sometimes I feel just like the disciples that when we're sitting and, and talking with you, we've gotten all excited because the resurrection was real. And they saw you and they walked with you and they heard your teachings. But the next question out of their mouth is when are we setting up the kingdom? Personal agendas, God. Father, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we lay down our personal agendas. We lay down our personal desires. And we hear your voice. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized with power. Not just to help us have a good day but to have explosive power to make a difference in the lives around us. It may be in a conversation. It may be in an action. It may be using our gifts, our talents, our abilities. But God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we humbly come before you and say once again, Lord, fill us. We need you, Lord. We need you, Father. And Lord, we stand here today, Father, and and Lord, if there's anyone here who has never given their life to you, if, if they've never really decided to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray that they cross that line today, Lord. But I also pray that they understand it's a total commitment. You desire to use them to change lives. And you bring change to theirs. So Lord, I pray that you touch my brothers and sisters. You don't force yourself upon us. But Lord, as we surrender to you, Lord, your Holy Spirit empowers us. It fills us. I pray, God, that there just be a surrender right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, that we... We begin to hear your voice in a new way that, that says, here are our, our ways I want you to understand. You need to step out of a box. If it's tradition, if it's our background, whatever it is, Lord, if it's my comfort, whatever it may be, Father. Lord, there are hurting people all around us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of your Holy Spirit, chains be broken lives be changed because a church decided to get out of a box in Jesus name we're going to sing this chorus but I want to challenge you if, if we'll have some of our prayer team come I want to challenge you that as we sing this chorus if you just desire come forward for prayer we want to pray with you if you have a special need but but quite possibly you might say you know there's some areas in my life I I just really want to I want God to use in powerful ways so I just surrender my life afresh and anew that's okay come we want to pray with you I want the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in every area of your life and it can happen amen